0: Kingdom Perspective broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Father, once again we bless and exhort you. We just appreciate you once again for your love. We give you praise, glory, and adoration. We ask, O oh God, for wisdom, revelation, understanding, and that, O oh Lord, which we are communicating in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we continue with uh, our study on Lazarus and the Richmond, and I don't know how many of you have already started getting excited about it because there's so much that uh, I begin to see as I study on. It's going to cause you to see uh, different dimensions by which you can be interpreting the scriptures so that when you see uh, parables, you will know these are parables. And when you see figurative speech, whatever the case may be, you'll be able to know. Praise God. Are the not working? Okay. So again, our test is uh, Luke 16, and then what we're going to be dealing with two verses we're trying to touch today. Um, Luke 16:19. Luke 16:19. I said there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fell subconsciously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of cells. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dust came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And he held, he lifted up his eyes, being in clement, and set Abraham afar up and Lazarus in his bosom. Praise God. So this is the background to what we're dealing with. The uh, story of Lazarus and the rich man, and you know how uh, it has been taught all along. But last week we did establish the fact that this story is a parable. It's not really as if Jesus was talking about real life. This is a parable that will describing the people. And um, we do know why he started on this. Because we said in chapter 14, he was, was more or less a guest of one of the Pharisees and then uh, he healed somebody with dropsy. And then from there he started, people started gathering when he came out, people started gathering around him. scribes, Pharisees, publicans, and then he started giving them some instructions, start teaching as the case may be. But chapter 15 we are told that uh, while the people gathered around him and he was teaching the, the Pharisees and the scribes, teachers of the law, they were more or less mocking him and saying that he doesn't seem to know the people he's fellowshipping with in terms of the publicans, which are called the sinners. And they said, if if, if Israel says a prophet, you'd have been able to know that these guys are sinners. And he is not supposed to have fellowship with them, as the case may be. That's why Jesus launched into these parables, like I said. So you get five parables from chapter 15 to 16. It's one discourse. You can't separate them, because you're starting from chapter 14. So now, it started first of all with the lost sheep. Parable of the lost sheep. Parable of the lost coin. Then parable of the unjust steward. I mean, the prodigal son. Then the unjust stewards and Lazarus and the rich man. These are the five parables you find in those chapters 15 and 16. So the first three parables, like I said, which have to do with the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son, was in direct connection to the people that they were more or less insulting, saying that they were sinners. So the idea of this parable was to encourage those people that if people say, well, you're lost sinners, you're whatever it is, Jesus, I mean, God himself will leave the one righteous ones and look for the one that is lost. He will look for that lost one coin and leave it remaining ten. In other words, he's interested in the prodigal son, so don't worry. And that's why I was trying to establish the fact that the sinner brother of the prodigal son was actually the Pharisees God was speaking to there as well. They are the ones, the Jewish people, who would not want the Gentiles to come in. Did you get that? Praise God. Alright. So these are the things we see here in this picture that Jesus is painting for us. So after that, he got them to the story of the just steward. And that is one of the most important things that I think we're going to look at. So we'll go back to get a picture of the issue of... This last two parables. Like I said, the first three parables were to encourage those people that they were despising, that the second two parables was against the Pharisees. It was trying, it was a satire. He was trying to bring out their foolishness. Right? Right. That's exactly what he did with the, the story of the unjust world and Lazarus and the rich man. So, let's go back now to Luke 16. I want to pick some few things before we can come to the issue of uh, the rich man where Zali is Ali the rich man we need to find out. So Luke 16 verse 1. Let's read a little bit fast. Bible and he said also unto his disciples there was a certain rich man which had a steward and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods and he called him and said unto him how is he that I hear of this this of thee give an account of the stewardship for thou mayest be no more I mean no longer steward. Verse 3 Then she's, the steward said within himself, What shall I do for my Lord? Take it away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig, to beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, But when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the false, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, an a hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. <laughs> Sharp practices. Verse number seven. Then said he to another, And how much was thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and write four score. And the Lord commended commanded the unjust steward, because he had done wisely, for the children of this world are wiser than the children of the kingdom, or the children of light. And I say unto you, make to thyself friends of mammon's. I mean, of a variety of mammon's, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in that which is much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust in the much. Now I want you to begin to follow this story. Therefore, you have not been faithful, if you have not been faithful in a righteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, which shall give you that which is your own. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the Pharisees, now listen closely. The Pharisees also, who were covetous, had all these things and they derided him. Are you following it? Follow the discussion. The word deride is very important. It means to snare, outright, to deride. Actually, it means to ridicule. It means to mock. The Pharisees had him give this parable of the just to what they mocked him, they derided and they snared at him. So I want you to see what is going on here. Then verse 15. And he said unto them, Ye are they, unto which people? Unto the Pharisees who derided him. Are you getting that? Good. You are they who justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men abomination, is abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets, now look at this story. The law and the prophet were unto John, since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and everyone is present into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one title of the law to fail whosoever put away his wife and married another committed adultery and whosoever married her that is put away from her husband committed adultery let me ask you this quick, simple question did you follow the discussion it was money matter they derided him he launched into the kingdom and while listening he launched into marriage what is the connection Why would Jesus move from money discussion? Instantly he came into the kingdom. Right from the day of John the Baptist. Is that okay? Good. And instantly he moved from the kingdom issue. Enter into marital relationship. What is the connection in these three discussions? So I'm going to show you now. What he was trying to say here is this. I represent the kingdom. You are supposed to move out from your way of thinking. Everybody is moving into the kingdom. But you are sitting there deriding me, rejecting me, mocking me, instead of you moving into the kingdom. Are you following that now? Good. Then it talks about the marriage. And I'm going to show you what it meant here. For you to know that he wasn't discussing husband and wife issues anywhere. Something very critical he was trying to say here. Go with me to the book of... Well, let's take it from... Okay, Romans 7, verse number 1. Let's look at it. I want you to look at this very well. Remember what he said there? He said... What did he say in that place there? Eh? Whosoever put it away his wife and married another, committed adultery. And whosoever married her, that is put away from her husband, committed adultery. Now Romans chapter 7 verse 1. I want to show you the marriage that he's talking about. Romans 1. Good. Know ye not brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. How that the law had dominion over a man as long as he leave it. For the woman which had... And husband is bound by the law to her husband, so long as he live it. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband live it, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is freed from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. We are four, my brethren. Ye also have become dead to the law by the body of Christ. That he should be married to another. Even to him who is raised from the dead. That we should bring forth fruit unto God. Are you getting that now? What he's saying is you see holding on to the law. When I am here as your husband right now. Moses is dead. Is it making sense to you? Otherwise, look at it. Why will he be talking about money? And when they derided him, he launched into the kingdom. And from the kingdom, he launched into marriage. What do you think he's talking about? He's saying the same thing. Read this, it makes it a little bit plainer. Message translation. Romans 1. I mean Romans 7, verse 1. Message translation. You shouldn't have any trouble understanding this, friends. For you know all the ins and outs of the law, how it works and how its power touches only the living. For instance, a wife is legally tied to her husband while he lives, but if he dies, she is free. If she lives with another man while her husband is living, she is obviously an adulteress. But if he dies, she is quite free to do what? to marry another man, in good conscience, with no one's disapproval. So, my friends, this is something like what has taken place with you. When Christ died, He took that entire rule-dominated way of life down with Him, and left it in the tomb, leaving you free to marry a resurrection life and bear offspring of faith unto who unto God did you say that praise God now you know before he went before he, this one comes out after his death now is that okay but he was telling them right there all these ones you are doing you are wasting your time the kingdom is right here men are moving into you I've got you on the center of the kingdom I represent the kingdom I am the bridegroom. You are supposed to be the bride. But you are still holding on to the man that is already dead. Are you getting that? So he was dealing with the Pharisees. And essentially because they derided him. Praise God. And you know, in Matthew chapter 12, who were the adulterers that were referring to? Matthew chapter 12 and verse 39. Bible says, But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but a sign of prophet Jonas. Who is prophet Jonas here? Jesus Christ. The only sign I can give to you, this adulterous generation, is that just like Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so will I be in the belly of the whale for three days, I, mean I mean on the ground. For three days and three nights. That's the sign you are looking for. That's the only sign you can get from me. And he called them a industrial generation. So, what was he saying to them in the book of Luke there? Your husband ordinarily not released really The law, the law is dead. Because I come with something else to fulfill the law. Now you are supposed to be free to be married to me. But you are holding unto the Lord. you are still holding on to the Lord. Now, that's what he discovered And he said oh, unto John. You understand that the law and the prophet were unto John. After that, the kingdom of God is very violent, and the violent take it by force. So what he was trying to say is everything about the law was coming to a close, even right from when John started preaching about the kingdom of God. But now you see me standing here, you see holding onto the Lord, and deriding me and mocking me and snaring at me. So, you are just people. Why? You are holding on to the man that is already dead. The man that is forsaken. The man that has been rejected by God. That's the one you're holding on to. So, this was not talking about literal husband and wife business. Is anybody understanding me? Yeah. But you see, this is what people used to teach. I remember I gave you this story some time ago. There was a lady that really did some things and she had a problem with her, with her marriage and then. The man moved out of the house because of the kind of treatment that she was given. Accidentally the guy had a relationship with me, so she came began and had to talk with the guy. The guy refused and, man, I can't go back there. He gave all these stories and everything. So they have two children. Accidentally, I'm the one that educated those children. So I used to go visit uh, and the children to talk with them. And one day I go to that place and I find that. I was just discussing with her, the spirit minister to me that there is something in her mind which is thinking about, and that she wants this man dead so that she can be free to remarry. Then I asked her, this is what the spirit is telling me, what is going on? He said, oh, Pastor, that's true. That's what do you mean that's true? So, said, because according to what we have been taught, I can't remarry again as long as he's alive, so he needs to die for me to remarry. Then I said, okay, if you feel the voice is the greater sin what about murder because what you are doing are you are already killing this man you are wishing him you are praying for the man to die so that he can be free to remarry that's just legalistic it has nothing to do with your life this has to do with the law hallelujah and she said well oh, pastor I'm sorry so what happened I said change your prayer that prayer you're praying is wrong and God can hold you responsible and guess what in about two months along the line the man had a terrible accident truth, almost died you see that and when he came to me i said okay fine that's what you are want- wanting for that's what we're looking for but the guy's alive today very good friend of mine you see what i mean people just use this scripture look at why would jesus why would Jesus bring in marital issue and discussing money discussing kingdom he discovered that this thing goes beyond what we're looking at. Are you following what I'm saying here? But that's what people don't know. So they push the scriptures left and right, use it to form doctrines. <laughs> okay, so now let's go to the main parable now. Remember we we're saying, he gave five parables. The lost sheep, the Lord's coin, the prodigal son, the unjust steward, against the Pharisees. And the second parable again, is against the Pharisees. Luke 16, verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day. I said before that the parable of the rich man this is a parable because it started with there was a certain. Amen? And as a parable, it has some similitude. Like I tried to explain last week There are things you pick out For those who have understanding But not for everybody Because Jesus said For those who are not in the kingdom It's not given for them to know the mystery of the kingdom Right? But for the disciples who are in the kingdom He explains the parable to them So they understand the parable As compared to those who are not in the kingdom of God And so we're not surprised that when people teach what they teach, it's because they have no understanding about what God is saying. Your ears are not being opened. Your eyes are not being opened to see and to know the mystery behind the language of Jesus Christ. That's why they preach it the way they preach it. So here is a parable. So we're going to be looking for who is the rich man, who is Lazarus, what is fine linen, what is purple. We're going to be dealing with all of that. Amen? Okay. So, 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 so we just go. Now, this has nothing to do with the dichotomy of heaven and hell. Nothing to do with that. Is that okay? (laughs) Nothing to do with that. But this is a ridicule by Jesus of all the teachings and the spirit of the Pharisees and the scribes and the doctors of the law. He just wants to ridicule them. That's why I gave this parable. For those who have understood it, they'll be able to know exactly what Jesus was saying. Like I said, it's satire. Amen? Uh, satire is a, you know, a literal walk holding up human vices and follies to ridicule or to scorn. So he was scorning them back. They derided him. Now he brought a story to mess them up in their fully. Are you following me? Good. So now, why was the rich man lost and why was the poor man saved? Because from the picture there, the rich man was lost, the poor man was the bosom of the father, isn't it? So why was that? Essentially, is how they managed whatever that was entrusted to them by God in their lifetime, if you will. That determines the their placement in the spirit realm. Okay. The rich man were made to understand they enjoyed the greatest privileges that anyone could ever have from God. And this also was what made this parable really, really interesting. And to identify who this parable was meant for. This rich man enjoyed life. What was it that we, this property which we can enjoy? What are those things? What are the good things? Because Abraham said, in your lifetime, you had all the good things. But Lazarus had nothing in his lifetime. So what was it that the rich man had? What made him rich? Hallelujah. Let's try to identify this rich man this evening. Look at verse 23. Luke 16. Verse 23. Verse 23. I actually love the side of the Lazarus more in the course of my study. The Bible says, And he, heard, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and said, Abraham, i he said, Abraham, a father of um, Lazarus in his bosom. Verse 24. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his fingers in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Hallelujah. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in a lifetime received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all these, between us and you, there is a God fixed, so that they would pass from hands to you, cannot neither can they pass to us that will come from hands. So now, who is this rich man? That's the question. The thing that we enable us to identify this rich man is first of all, he called Abraham father. That means he have a relationship with Abraham. And Abraham called him son. Did you notice that? Very good. That means it has to do with somebody who knows Abraham or that Abraham have a relationship with. And don't forget, jesus was talking to the pharisees is that okay so he called abraham father abraham calling son that means they have a relationship remember we we're trying to find out who the rich man is now this is a son that is separated from the father if you can say hell he it is because we are told he lifted up his eyes in torment and then said, Saw so Abraham afar off and Lazarus was at the bottom of the father, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. But Abraham said, Son, offspring, between us and you. Now, the word you is not, how do I put it now? It's talking about a group of people like when you read your kingdom you say yeah yeah it's not you're just talking about you it's talking about you group of people collective so this is a collective now is that okay right so you is not talking to a group of people not just one person so by talking of the whole family if you will of the pharisees put together he wasn't talking of an individual he was talking to a group of people you people in your lifetime. You know, it's a great God fix. So that they, that is the ones singular there, put to pass from hands to you, you people, cannot, neither can they pass. that will come from them here. So, here we first of all look at it. It is talking about you dealing with the Pharisees collectively. Is that okay? Right. Not an individual. Don't forget. I told you Jesus is giving a parable and here he's trying to ridicule, indict the Pharisees who derided him. All right. So the word is vertically plural, not individuals. Hence, we say, he was talking to the nation of Israel. And this nation of Israel is the household of Judah. When he say you... He was talking to the whole nation, if you will. Basically Judah. Now, this is the Sidon kingdom. Samaria is the northern kingdom. Judah had 12, I mean, just uh, two tribes. Whereas the northern kingdom had 10 tribes. At the time of the division between Jeroboam and Rehoboam. You know the story, right? Praise God. Amen. Alright, so here, and like we're going to see, you find that the tribe of Judah, oh, thank you, Jesus. The tribe of Judah is actually the tribe that produced that family that produced the Levitical priesthood. It was from that tribe of Judah, as we're going to see much later, because you remember when you go down you find that this rich man, which were now identified to be Judah, begin to say, I have five brothers. Is that okay? When we get there, I'll show you who were the five brothers. But let's just take it bit by bit. So we can see that this rich man was actually Israel, of the seed of Abraham, and blessed highly, and fully favored, if you will, by God. Hallelujah. The Pharisees boasted that they are descended from Abraham and expected to enter paradise because of that fact. Hallelujah. They prided so much about their relationship with Abraham. And so they always feel that they will enter paradise because of their relationship. That's the, the mindset of the Pharisees. And like I said, they are from the tribe. Of Judah, because there are five brothers there, which we're going to deal with much later. You have Judah, Issachar, Levi, Reuben. What's the third one? There's another guy there, Zebulun. Hmm? From Leah. So, you remove Judah, you have five. These are the five brothers we're talking about. So, from Levi, is where you have the Levitical priesthood. Let's see. Identify. We will get there. Okay. So, Luke sixteen nineteen. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and feasted sumptuously every day. Purple. What is purple? Purple color speaks of royalty. It's a symbol of royalty. Blue speaks of heaven. White speaks of righteousness. Green speaks of fertility and fruitfulness. Brown speaks of arty nature. Red speaks of blood in the face or Adamic life. Hmm? You gotta understand the meanings of colours. So that sometimes also when when God gives you colours or you're doing you have certain dreams and Certain colors are prominent in those dreams, you should be able to know what God is talking about. So, when you see purple, for instance, you're talking about royalty. Amen. Now, this is what, thank you, Lord, this is what those who killed Jesus did not understand. And so they dressed him in purple. They dressed in the purple garments. They didn't understand that what they were doing, they were proclaiming in the heavens, Jesus had been exalted. God was using their foolishness to make to declare a message, but they didn't understand. He was using them to enthrone His Son. So they clothed Him with purple. Purple garments, if you will. Amen? So this rich man was clothed in purple and fine linen, which was actually a symbol of the kingdom. They are the clothing for the kingdom, fine linen are the clothing of the kingdom. And as a child of the kingdom, somebody who goes in royal apparel. If you take time to look at the book of Ezekiel forty four, you find that there were two priesthoods there the Zedokan priests and the Levitical priesthood. Is that okay? right now the American priesthood they don't use wool they use fine linen when they want to go minister before the Lord because fine linen does not cause you to sweat unlike wool and so God said when you come into minister before me don't put on wool anything that will make you sweat sweat is a symbol of a cause because God told Adam in the garden you're going to sweat. You understand that? So you don't do ministry and sweating before him. Sweat is a symbol of a cause. So you don't use wool when you're going to the most holy place to minister. You're going to go on leaning. And most of them, white linen too. Amen? Okay. So that's it. So the purple there speaks of royalty. That means this rich man was a royal person. He was walking around the royalty. And so, like I'm saying, these are the scribes and the Pharisees. You know the way they're behaving themselves in the society. I will show you one of the reasons, one, two, three reasons why God rejected them. But we'll get there. So finally, this stands for righteousness. But this time is the righteousness of the law. Amen? This rich man was clothed in purple, royalty, and fine linen, which is righteousness. So they claim to be righteous people. Remember the story? Pharisees and other man went to pray. The other man told said, oh God, forgive my sins, and so on and so forth. Pharisees said, oh, I'm not like this one. I'm a righteous man. You remember that? Good. They always take no place of righteousness because they believe in the righteousness of the law, so they finally hear the righteousness of the law. Jesus was only trying to speak to them. As a matter of fact, they do understood what Jesus was saying. They understood. And somebody else reading really may not understand, but actually they understood. And Jesus began to use his languages because that's exactly how we they were living in. Hallelujah. So this is righteousness of the law, uh, established by the priests and the Levites who dressed with white linen officiating the sacrifice and ceremonies of the nation so when jesus used that word golden and purple and you know fine linen, they were beginning to pick the message that is sucking to them because nobody else walks that way are you understand what i'm saying remember i talked about the unjust steward i don't have time to discuss all of that then he's coming down now to lazarus and the rich man Okay, so looking at these two, I mean from this perspective, we also find that Jesus also wore this, like we said before, but look at example, let me just look at Exodus 19 verse 6, Exodus 19 verse 6, and it shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation, these are the words which i shall speak unto the children of israel so israel was the kingdom of priests and as priests they are to walk in what a royalty a royal family that's what they were hallelujah so all of these jesus were revealing to them as he we was talking to them he was revealing these things to them to this parable Praise God. Now by this language we can understand that Jesus is making his meaning very clear to the Pharisees. The language he was using in this parable. He was getting the Pharisees to truly understand what he was talking about. But for us, when we read the Bible, we don't have any clue about it. In fact, the only thing we ever said concerning this particular parable is you of hell. Am I correct? Nothing more. Nobody talks about purple. Nobody talks about fine-leaning nobody talks about who is the rich man no 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 and like i said last one is if riches what makes you not to go to hell then of course go and sell our private jets and all our buildings and whatever all the cars we are buying we should sell them otherwise we're all going to go to hell amen praise god so this rich man was a group of people which are the pharisees in particular the ruling class of the tribe of Judah. Amen. The ruling class of the tribe of Judah. The one that Judah was addressing. Judah was a royal tribe. You know, and purple is the color of royalty like I'm saying. The peace too, like I said, came from the kingdom of Judah. Clothing, fine linen, like I said, has to do with the righteousness of the law. And like I said again too, Jesus dressed in purple, also was declaring his royalty as a king, but unknown to man. Okay. Back again, Luke 16:19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple filing in a fair sumptuously every day. Fair sumptuously every day. What is the meaning of that? Is it I was having party? He got all the money to buy whatever thing he wants, drink all the wine that he wanted to drink. Is that what it means? Again, we discover that our religious system or our, our theologians may not be able to even pick out what it means for this rich man to fare sumptuously. They can just say, oh, where was the rich man? So he was just enjoying himself. That's not what it means. Hallelujah. We already said this was a Jewish nation, right? Good. And particularly the house of Judah. The very leaders who are the representative of this nation in particular. The leaders actually embodied all that Israel stood for. Which means you can pick the character of the Israelites, if you will, from the character of the priesthood. They represent Israel in every way. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. So this man my first sumptuously every day. Now, this is talking about the blessing that God placed upon the house of Israel. I'm talking about food or drinks. It's not dealing with that. The Jewish nation was the favorite of heaven when God picked them up. In mercies and blessings of the Lord they enjoy heavenly blessings as compared to other nations you can say the Jewish nation was the rich nation not in terms of material things even though they are which the claim or we say the blessing of Abraham which is actually not the blessing of Abraham amen right but the Jews are very rich naturally speaking but in context what Jesus was saying was not physical richness, not material richness. And I'll show you the riches of the Jewish people that they were enjoying, that other nations were not enjoying. Because by the time you get down, you're going to begin to see that Lazarus, help me, Lord, is actually the Gentile nations. Right? Hallelujah. And the Jews called the Gentile nation's dog. I'll show you. But let's look at the blessing that the Jews had that the Gentiles never had. But one thing is this. God intended, thank you Lord. God intended that when he picked this nation, gave them the laws the rules, they would be able to spread out this thing to the rest of the nation to bring them in. Are you following me? Look at the configuration of Israel. You know, Europe, Africa, Asia. It's like it's at the center. So, God's intention was from this port, his laws will go around to the rest of the nations. You can just cross to it, cross to Europe, Africa, cross to Asia. Just around the circumference there. It was strategically positioned. God did it deliberately, and like He told them, "You are the smallest among God, the nation, but I chose you." Your position was strategic. Why? Because He wanted to spread His laws from that particular spot. And that's exactly what happened. By the time Jesus can finish, so the gospel went to Europe, Africa, Asia from that spot. Is that okay? So, what are the blessings? Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 9. Verse number 1. I don't know which translation we can use. Let's use the New Living Translation. And then maybe, yeah, I think that that'll be okay. New Living Translation. And then maybe Message Translation. Let's see what happens here. Ah. <sighs> He said, with Christ at my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief. Remember, Paul is speaking. For my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters, I will be willing to be forever cut off from Christ if that will save them. They are the people of Israel. Chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenant with them. And gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshipping him. And receiving his wonderful promises. Are you getting that? Go to the next verse. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob are their senses, And Christ himself... Was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned, and his God, the one who rules over everything, and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. You see the privileges? Okay, take it from the message translation. This is what they enjoy that other nations never had, which is the riches of this rich man, Israel. Are you getting that? Good. Method translation says, At the same time, you need to know that I carry with me at all times a huge sorrow. It's an enormous pain deep within me, and I'm never free of it. I'm not exaggerating. Christ and the Holy Spirit are my witness. Is the Israelites. If there were any way, I could be caused by the Messiah so they could be blessed by him I'll do it in a minute they are my family I grew up with them they have everything going for them family glory covenant revelation worship promises to say nothing of being the race that produced the Messiah the Christ who is God over everything, always. Oh, yes, don't suppose for a moment, though, that God's word has malfunctioned. Now, he's coming to the place of saying, What about if these people don't behave the way they are supposed to behave? Is that okay? All right, so get a the point. They have all these wonderful privileges that the gentiles never had. Is that okay? This is the riches of the rich man. Which no other nation had. Praise the Lord. Are you following me? Right. I just want you to get it because very important. Very very important you get what I'm saying. Alright. So we have established the facts. This is the riches of the rich man. The rich man is who? Judah. Judah, the main tribe of who? Of Israel. And every tribe is represented, like I said, the whole nation represented by the character of the priesthood. Praise the Lord! Hallelujah. Okay, all right, so now, verse 27 of Luke 16. Are you finding anything interesting about this? Yeah, now when you read in the Bible, you read it to understand it, not just like you're reading stories and. You read in Luke 16, all oh, that your mind is going to is hell, and little drop of water. We're going to explain all of that. <laughs> Praise God. Okay, Luke 16:27. Then he said, Pray the dear Father that thou should send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren. Now, say Lazarus, okay? I have five brethren that you may testify on them. Let also they come into this place of torment. I have five brothers." Why is it five? This is one of the reasons that will make you understand this thing is actually a parable. Why is this man, rich man having five brothers, not four, not six, not eight, not ten, five brothers? This will make you understand. When you discover the five brothers, you know exactly who he was talking to. Praise God. Amen. So that's why we said this is a parable and very symbolic that we understand this. So he mentioned the fact that his brethren with five in number. Like I said, but why five? If this is not a parable, we can hardly see the reason why the number should be so definite in enumeration. In other words, we're going to trace these five brothers. We have to go back tracing who Abraham had. Because Abraham was his father. Is that okay? So we're going to trace through the... The progeny, that is, the children of Abraham, the grandchildren of Abraham, and we able to find a family that have five brothers, and we know who was talking and why he mentioned that he has five brothers. Because remember, he said Abraham is his father; he called him father Abraham. Remember that? Yes. And then Abraham says, "Son." So there's a relationship. So we have to go to Abraham, we have to go to Isaac, we have to go to Jacob, and trace all the way down. They'll be able to know where these five brothers are coming from. That makes up... You remember this. When you say Israel, you are talking about the 12 sons of who? Of Jacob. Is that okay? Yeah. It's the 12 sons of Jacob that make up Israel. So... You are not going to find the five brothers in Abraham. You are not going to find them in Isaac. You can only find them in who? In Jacob. Because that's where you have 12 children. Praise God. Are we still here? Alright. Okay, let's go to Genesis 35. And I would like us to read from verse 22. Hallelujah. Are we there? And it came to pass, when Israel, Jacob now, dwelled in that land, that Reuben went and lay with Bia, his father's concubine. And Israel had it. And the sons of Jacob were twelve. The sons of Leah were what? Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon and Levi and Judah and Issachar and Zebulun. Take note of that. We're going to come back to it. The sons of Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Beher, Rachel's handmaid, Dan and Naphtali. The son of Zepha, Leah's handmaid, Gad. And Asher, did are the sons of Jacob, could be born to him in Padaharam. Where do you have five brothers there? What verse? Go back, verse 23. Did you see that? The children it got from Leah. One, Reuben. Two, Simeon. Three, Levi four Judah five Issachar six what? Zebulun but who is talking here? Judah so remove Judah from this six what do you have left? five I have five brothers so he are talking of the household of these five brothers which has to do with Reuben Simeon Levi Issachar and who? Zebulun is it making sense? Praise the Lord. So this is why he said he had five brothers. So we now know precisely that it was Judah that was talking. That's why he said he had five brothers. Are you getting that? All of that family, they are two, three, two, three, two, three. It's so late, the Judah family that have six boys and he's one of among them. And they were the people that produced. Remember the Levi from that tribe as well. From that very unique family, you have Levi there. So what do you have there? Note it again. Don't miss it. I'm talking of Genesis. What? Genesis 35, verse 22. But the five brothers is finding fast what Verse 23. And that is what? Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, and who? Zebulun. I have five brothers. Now we know that the person talking in that parable is who? Judah. Is it making sense? Praise the Lord. Like I tell you, I find it very interesting. Why studying this? So, Judah is the kingdom of the Jews. He got five brothers. With this, the Pharisees knew who they were and who Christ was referring to. <laughs> they just got the picture right. This man is talking about us. Because they knew the family. They knew how many of them there were. As far Israel was concerned. You understand that? And when you say this man said he had five brothers, they say, oh, 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 oh. This guy is talking, <laughs> he's talking about us. He's talking about us. He's talking about we, the tribe of, I mean, the house of, uh, of Judah. He's talking about us, yes. You know, it's we that have five brothers. Uh, the Reuben, the Isaac—I mean, uh, yeah, Isaac, Zebulon, Levi. You understand that? Yeah, it's we that have fire, brothers. So he's talking to us. You see, they understood it, but you can't understand because until you go deep here to get a fight you won't be able to understand. That's why the church can't preach this because they can't study up to this level. The half-brothers and he was in hell. He was crying for water. That's all they would tell you. But it's a parable. That Jesus was really using to ridicule the Judas, I mean the house of Judah who were deriding and mocking at him and jeering at him, thinking that he, he is a nobody. Praise the Lord. Alright, time is almost gone. Let me take one scripture and can start for him next week. I just want to look at the problem with Judah. The problem that Judah had was his preoccupation with pride and the gift of those blessings that God gave to him. They were always very proud of those things. This is why Judah, more or less, was cursed. It was a cursed family. Is that okay? It was a cursed family, if you use the word. Jesus, look at it. Matthew 23, just go to Matthew 23. We'll just take a few things here, then we can stop for tonight. Matthew 23, verse number 1. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples... Saying the scribes and the Pharisees, since on Moses 6, and all therefore, whatever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not hear after their works, for they say and do not. For they buy heavy burdens and grievous to be born, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Did you get that? Praise the living God. This was the character of these people. They were so proud of the Lord. They were so proud of these giftings. But you see, Jesus placed a curse on them. In fact, David said that prophetically. Look at it. Romans 11 verse number 9. This was the offense of these people. Romans 11 verse number 9. Down through 10. I think we might have to stop here. And David said, lay their table be made a snare and a trap and a assembling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always. Hallelujah. Now, this is what led to part of the attitude that we're putting on. You see, Isaiah prophet in Isaiah chapter 6, May they see and not see, may they hear and not hear, not to understand. David praying in the book of Psalm, say made their table become what a snare and a trap so those gifting they had in romans chapter 11 became i mean god and become swallow headed it became a trap they were becoming so proud so religious without god that becomes your offense but that has to do with part of the prophecy that was spoken may their table which is their feasting which is you know when you're talking about table, you're talking about the sacrifices and all of those things. Is that okay? May it become a trap and offense unto them. May it cause them to stumble, may it cause their eyes to be darkened. Look at that, and that's exactly what happened. May they bow down their back always, they become the cause that came upon them because of the pride that they carry in their religious system, thinking that they are all you know, How many of you remember? He said, the Gentiles, we call them unclean people. They don't want to have anything to do with them. You remember that? That's why, when we got down there, maybe next week, we we'll be able to see when the Canaanite woman, Canaanite is just around the border to Israel. When they came to Jesus and said, Come and heal my child. Three good times, in fact, the disciples came to him and said, Send this woman away if they're serving us. Three times. And when Jesus finally turned around and said, Amen, madam, listen. It's not lawful to give the children bread unto dogs. And you might say, Yes, but the dog will eat the crumbs that fall from the man's table. And Jesus so such a fate I've never seen. We such an insult. So the Gentiles were called dogs. Is that okay? All right. So now the dogs were at the front of the gate of the rich man. In other words, the gentiles were begging to have part of the riches that the jews had and they will not give to them so that's what he was telling them you exercise yourself in this religious thing you don't extend the goodness of god to the rest of the gentiles. you don't want to allow those nations to come in you will not exercise yourself to making sure they enjoy this glory that you are having Therefore, may this your religion become a trap and a stumbling block. May it cause you to move forward, and I mean, backward, bend down, and be blind. And that's exactly what happened. Now look at that. It's so powerful. David said, Let your table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Let your eyes be darkened that they may not see, and bow down their back always. And this is what finally happened. And so when Jesus was speaking to these people, especially when he came to that place and said, I have five brothers. In fact, at that point, they knew. This man is talking to us. Praise the living God. Are we together? Oh friend, this is the rich man. Who is the rich man? Israel. Represented by Judah. The final leaning speaker of the righteousness of the law. The purple speaks of royalty of the kingdom. They were children of the kingdom. Is that okay? Later I'm going to make you see where the Bible says, The kingdom shall be taken from you and given to those who bring forth the fruit. Is that okay? Right. That means the garment is going to be changing. The royalty is going to other people. Because they could not keep by reason of this cause that was upon them. Because they would not exercise their religion to help other people to come into the fold. And enjoy the glory and the beauty of God. Praise the living God. Thank you. I'm finding time to listen to me. Thank you. I appreciate you. Amen.